0: Hello, awesome humans. I have some big news to share with all of you before we jump into today's conversation with the stunning Mark Groves. I'm super excited to share a brand new Personal Socrates-style chapter profiling the world's leading business and life strategist, Tony Robbins. Starting today, May twenty second, 2022, As a member of the Better Questions community, which is free by the way, you can download the chapter for the next seven days. Head over to BehindTheHuman.com forward slash newsletter to grab your copy. To give you a little flavor of this chapter, the opening prompt is, what if I decided to live in a beautiful state of mind? The entire flow of the chapter is designed to help us live and experience a thriving mind more days than not. Enjoy it. Tag me on the socials to let me know what lands with you. And again, you can download the chapter for the next seven days over at behindthehuman.com forward slash newsletter. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the mental fitness practices and stories of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Today we are jamming with Mark Groves, who is a human connection specialist and founder of Create the Love. In other words, he's a speaker, writer, motivator, creator, and collaborator. And full circle in life, we both started roughly around the same time in the good old pharmaceutical industry and have <laughs> circled all the way back to doing work that I would say you would probably agree to that just feels you know, so aligned and really at the core of our, of our purpose. And it feels nice to reconnect in this space. Oh, yeah. Like to to go from what we were doing to doing
1: this, not that there was anything wrong with it. It was a, a, the job that I needed at the time to get yeah. here and so excited to, to be here.
0: So, Mark, job titles and uh, bio definitions and all that aside, who are you? what defines you like what's who is who is the mark in front of this camera right now
1: you know i've always been really very interested as a kid into how people worked how people thought my father was probably the main facilitator of that we'd have great conversations about human behavior and decision making and uh you know, made a number of poor decisions <laughs> growing <laughs> up, and you know, in a into adulthood too. And you get really fascinated with why do we do what we do as humans? You know, I, uh, I that really led to when I was in. I used to work at Future Shop, which for people who don't know what that is, it's kind of like a Best Buy. Yeah. which people might be more familiar with. But it was, <laughs> you wore suits, you sold extended warranties. It was kind of like the. The movie "The Forty-Year-Old Virgin," uh, That's and so true. <laughs> it was so much like that, and so I learned. I remember at Future Shop, I learned like nine different ways to close people, and then they went to a more softer selling style. And I went. I, I worked there while I went to university, and when I got out of university, I worked in pharma, and my sales training at Future Shop was far better than the sales training I got in pharma, which was quite oh, ironic. Interesting, yeah, and. I was really at that time reading books like how to you know, your standard, like how to win friends and influence people, the seven habits of highly effective people. I had books on how to manipulate human behavior, <laughs> sales books, but really that's ultimately what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I had a relationship end in my late twenties. I got engaged and and then that sent me down a deep rabbit hole of like, why mm-hmm. am I so good at talking about all these other things, but not my feelings? Like, that's not a skill set issue. There's something going on here. Why did I get engaged when I didn't actually want to? You know, that was really interesting to me. Why, when I left that engagement and I felt more connected than I had felt in a long time to myself, did I feel like I was being in some ways, uh, exiled by people that I loved for my choice. Why was I being judged and shamed? And Hmm. that really, you know, I think we talked about this when you were on my podcast, just about how, you know, you turn your mess into your message. And that really was, it is I desired so deeply to understand human relating in a romantic level first, uh, because I wanted to solve my own challenges and as I studied it and went back to school, and I mean the pharma background was great because I could read all the science on it and understand it well. I really loved yep. looking at the studies on it and then I went back to school and took positive psychology and it I started to see like everybody isn't taught these things. like we should all know this. You look at the longest running study on happiness on well-being the Harvard it was called the Harvard Men's Study, now the Harvard Well-being study hmm, it, yeah it shows that at the age of 80, the greatest predictor of your health is not your blood pressure, or your cholesterol at age 50. It's actually the quality of your relationships. So I was really struck by how important they are and how little we are taught about how to make really prolific, beautiful, fulfilling relationships. And then to, to sort of transfer back how imperative that is romantically, but if you really get good at the romantic relationship game and familial, I mean, workplace is, I mean, it's, (laughs) I don't, it's nothing. Like it feels like nothing when you can handle conflict with your partner.
0: Well, it's interesting because, so I agree. I mean, we're, we're really not taught much if, if anything at all, when it comes to relationships, the closest we have is, you know, some dialogue around romantic relationships, but like the relationship with ourselves I'd say is the one that's the that's least talked about and probably the most important to start with right because it kind of from my understanding uh, and, and in my research and into your work as well like that stems out to everything else right like you have right. to love yourself before you can love someone else and 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 everything in between whether it's your work or friends and and lovers and so forth like it all it all stems from what's, what's happening in your internal empire, right? Yeah. Like your romantic relationships, your frictions at work,
1: they're all informing you where you're limited in your skill set, where you still have unhealed, usually childhood things, you know, where you have underlying beliefs that you haven't navigated or healed that you don't even realize are running your life and making you reactive or defensive or making you sabotage really good things, not just relationships, but Uh, workplace too, allowing yourself to win and succeed, believing you're worthy of those things. I mean, it's that's why I just feel like romantic relationships seem to be the most frequent place we experience these things. They're usually the most exaggerated there. And so they're a great window into our challenges or let's say even dysfunctions.
0: Okay. Now the question I wanted to ask you and I've never, I don't think I've ever ever asked you this, but there's one thing, you know, because you were really lighting it up in the sales world, you know, including the future shop days and then back <laughs> in, the, in the pharma world, like things were going well, right, for you professionally. Mm-hmm. And then you go through, like you said, this uh, romantic breakup, which it's one thing to ask those questions that you were reflecting on, but it's another thing to go to the next step and like leave behind essentially a whole career to say hey i want to i want to go all in in this space like where did you get that courage or or who who helped guide you through that massive pivot
1: oh man that was such a big leap you know and i think of one of the first questions i asked myself when i got out of my engagement was how did i get here How did I get to a place where I was so disconnected from myself? Like that was a very important, because I felt like I left myself behind so long. And and that segues to the question, which is, I really made a commitment that, because what I discovered was that I avoided every single hard conversation. I avoided all the conversations that truly mattered. And so I made a rule that I would have every conversation I I didn't want to have. And I'd have it Ooh, that pretty terrifying. much as soon as I felt it. Yeah, it sucked. It sucked. <laughs> oh, it For sucks. someone who avoided them, you know. But you realize that those conversations, which we generally believe are going to end our relationship or cause friction, they're actually yeah. the conversations that liberate it and deepen it, sometimes liberate it in the sense that we don't stay together, but actually oftentimes actually just liberate us and our partners or whoever's in it. It doesn't have to be romantic. And just in that navigation of that commitment, the next one I made, because I realized I was making similar choices over and over again. And this was sort of the preparation of the mindset that I had before the leap is the next thing I, I, I just realized I was making choices that they were hurting me. They were hurting other people. And I remember sitting with myself just thinking, like, you already know this outcome, you every time you do this thing, you wake up feeling not good about yourself and it was drinking and it was, I was really avoiding myself through casual relationships. And, yeah, and I remember thinking like, this isn't new information. So if isn't, if, if this isn't new information, why am I not acting upon the information that I'm getting? And so I made a rule that I would always live at my highest level of knowledge that, As soon as I learned something, I would integrate it. And I really saw it as that I would begin to be in integrity with my potential and just in integrity with who I wanted to be and what my body was telling me about my values and who I was and what I was running from. And so move forward to, you know, because I was 27 when I got out of that engagement and I left pharma at 34, I think, or 35. So the learning really happened within the business, you know, and uh, I was telling you yesterday, when we recorded my the podcast with you on mine, that I did this uh, workshop with Lisa Nichols, that was one of the first personal growth workshops I ever did. And I remember her saying, uh, don't quit your job. Like, that's just dumb. <laughs> you know, she, ba- <laughs> she basically said that straight up. Don't quit your job to pursue a dream that hasn't been developed yet. Like, allow the job to be the investor in your dream. And that yeah. really changed things for me. Pharma was starting to feel heavy to work at. You know, as I was learning more about relationships and emotion, I was seeing so much that the real, you know, main causes of disease Is actually inflammation and inflammation is correlated to emotional dysregulation and conflict so i was learning so much that i just had a hard time working in an industry that generally obviously there's good to it but generally is about covering up symptoms and i was like there's so much more to the core of this people don't have to live with the suffering and take a pill to treat that suffering although there are times we should get to what is really at the basis of it and so I worked with this coach who said to me, when I said I was afraid to start, he said, uh, how arrogant of you to believe that your gifts are for you. They're not Powerful. For you. Oh, man, that shook me. Wow. And, uh, and he said, they're for the people who need it. And every day you're afraid to start, you don't help them. And, and that changed the perspective for me deeply. That made it not about me. It made it about service. It made it about um, honoring the pain I'd been through, the knowledge, you know, this sort of path, much like your path, you know, that I was honoring w- the, the 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 gifts I'd been given through the pain I'd been through, and then being able to alchemize or translate into language uh, what at least I knew up until that moment. And I think that's so true of all the teachers we find is they just, Tend to be a chapter ahead, and and that's true for me. I'm uh, I'm behind a, a zillions of people, and I'm ahead of a few. And I don't mean that hierarchically. I just yeah. mean through the path of moving into entrepreneurship, moving through relational understanding. Again, not that there's. I think we often feel there's an inference of hierarchy. It's not that I've been led by so many incredible people, and I think there's nothing greater than um, experiencing the the courage that someone else has done to get to a new level of themselves. And you and I have talked about this separately, just how (laughs) there's new levels of us being called upon now. And that will always be true.
0: Yeah. That
1: was a long answer to your question.
0: No, it's great. (laughs) I mean, it's perfect. Did you ever, I mean, I have to just, just so people have some perspective as well. Like, did you ever imagine that you would be what, what are you at like there's like a million people or something on- cr- Create the love following you and and y- you know you impacting you know their their thoughts and then conversations around relationships like the, was that ever part of the of the imagination or the dream <laughs> of where you wanted to be going with this? like how did it all start i guess um no, you know i I felt the calling. You know, I yeah. knew that
1: there was something deep in me that wanted to teach and write about relationship, but I had the imposter, you know, you're not a therapist, you're not this, you're not that. Yeah. And I remember my sister saying to me, if you look at all the greatest minds in the world, they tend to have not gone to school to develop and share their mind. And I thought that was just it's like the so exact, true. yeah, that was the exact <laughs> thing I needed to hear. But of course, you know, when you have a belief about something, then you'll start to uh, see the the when, when when you start to break through your own upper limits, you'll start to see other people trying to impose theirs upon you. And I had yeah. to really be mindful of that, that other people's limits were not mine. I was really in the ending of the engagement and then the breaking into self expression and entrepreneurship. I was realizing how much my life had been lived through the, a, a story I was taught, that mm. it was not the story I, you know, it all served a purpose. But if, you know, my favorite class in college was psych of child development, it wasn't finance. And that's what I did my undergrad in, you know, and, and and that tells you something that I chose to become a higher status provider. Because the perception was if I went after something like psychology, or like art, or like creativity, that it's not monetizable. And I had to break and shatter all those beliefs as I stepped into this work, because you know, I remember my coach saying to me, like, just leap, like the universe will catch you when you are in your passions. And I'm like, dude, smoke more weed, like no yeah. way. <laughs> you know, uh, So no, I mean, I, there was a deep feeling in my soul that this was that what I had to do, whatever soul even means, I just remember this, like, ah, I gotta do this, this is it just lit me up. And it wasn't work. And I remember I went through a breakup and uh she was a social media manager for companies and she said you should start an Instagram account so we I didn't know what Instagram was I just saw that she used it for companies and uh I we broke up and then I started an Instagram account and I posted a quote and then I wrote about the quote and gosh I'm sure my first post is still there but then you couldn't edit so if you had like a spelling error you couldn't change it (laughs) it was like just your poor English was saved forever uh but it, I just did it every day. I did it every day. And I never missed a day until October, just in 2021. I, for the first time, took two weeks off from it. and And at some point, I was even doing two a day. So, you know, I was going from Like a lot of people don't see that. That was eight years, eight years of, you know, because a lot of people would ask me, how do you do that? How do you get to that place? How do you create that type of following? And I'm like, here's the formula. It's not that complex. You got to be self-expressed, but you got to be committed. And that's really it. You got to learn. And I mean, almost everyone drops off as soon as they realize they have to do it every day.
0: (laughs) And then you realize that's the thing, right? It's the commitment and the consistency. It's the same thing with mental fitness. I mean, there's nothing earth shattering about the practices. They've been around since the beginning of time. But it's just the the people that are thinking at a whole other level and that are prioritizing the health of their mind. They're doing these small things every single day. And over time, that stacks up, right? right? And... Yeah, like it's just, and that's why I'm so lit up, lit up about the work because if I can at least provide the the daily reminders through the you know my work, this show, and and having great conversations with people like yourself, then hopefully it just keeps giving the reminders for people like, oh yeah, I could do that, or that's a good question, I can try this, and then eventually get people to the flow that works for them, so they stay consistent, right? Yeah. That, that
1: managing where your attention goes is so important, especially in a world that really is monetizing your attention. So, you know, we really as, unless we're sitting in really deep discernment and awareness of where we are putting our awareness, which we don't tend to do, you know, the unconscious mind gets pulled to fancy things. It's, it, it gets pulled to I mean, Instagram is and Facebook and all these things are psychologically designed to keep us hooked. That's mm-hmm. literally what they are meant to do. So when they say that their your mental health is their number one priority, it is not their number one priority. It might be their number five or six, basically to check boxes. You know, I see it as obviously a very beautiful tool because it's facilitated the work that I do. And like anything, you know, I have to be really mindful of what I'm doing like your yeah. your your habits how much time you ever get that screen report after you've had a screen heavy week and then you're like that's a whole job like that's a yeah that's a job <laughs> and yeah. when we say we don't have time you realize you know obviously that's true sometimes yeah but we realize that ugh, we're not making it it's going to things like Netflix it's going to things like social media and if it could just go to something productive and self-expressed and moving you towards your dreams that you have, it would completely change your life. You have no idea what just beginning those practices of meditation or journaling or breath work, all of them, yeah, will completely do to your life because all of a sudden you become aware of your awareness. And when you're aware of your awareness, then you're now yeah. responsible for your awareness. And then you're responsible oh, for your true. choices.
0: And then, well, you're free. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I first wanted to say thanks for being here, and I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to let you know if you're interested. I just launched the Better Questions newsletter designed to provide you with a consistent 15-minute opportunity to pause and think. Because a pause leads to clarity and operating with intention where we all win and thrive. The newsletter is short, simple, and practical, providing with three quality reflective prompts and mental fitness twice a month. But as always, I'll adjust the frequency based on your feedback. Never forget, at any point, you are always one question away from a completely different life or outcome. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com, which will also give you a free preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. BehindTheHuman.com. Now back to the show. so interesting i mean on the social front the one that always gets me and it's just it it like rattles my core because i'm like holy shit there's so much power over over me from from this platform is when you catch yourself and you didn't even realize you picked up your phone and somehow you're scrolling in one of the apps like how did i even get here like what is happening (laughs) not so i mean it makes yeah it makes me think of this is one of the questions I did want to ask you and I'd love to see how that two-week social media or Instagram vacation went or how that felt for you. But the other, I guess the higher question is when we think of our relationship with this technology and these, these what can be you know great tools and obviously you've, you've experienced that in your own work and your business, like how do you view healthy relationships with these tools and these devices and, and, and technology? I really feel like for me, it's a,
1: a work in progress. Like I don't know yet because, for us, just as humans, we have not evolved to have these. You know, it's been yeah. such a short period of time, and you look at the rise, especially in teenage girl, uh, teenage girls' anxiety and depression. You know, you think about it: a social media platform is exactly designed, <laughs> um, unfortunately, to really impact young girls mostly. And mm-hmm. that's because starting from the age of 10, you know, girls are being judged for how their body looks and boys are being judged mainly for how it performs. And, you know, I remember interviewing this psychologist named Laura McNally, and she was talking about how before people used to go into their psychologists with pictures of like Tom Cruise and being like, hey, I'd like this nose, or, you know, they'd pick someone, I want yeah. this chin. <laughs> but now they actually go in with Facetune apps. So, you know, I, 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 the reason I took that break in October is because I felt mm, psychologically and mentally overwhelmed. I I had not felt that level of anxiety. It was in September that I experienced it. You know, I just couldn't hold anymore. And I remember thinking to myself as I was sitting in a work brainstorming strategic meeting, and I was thinking just, I, I couldn't keep going in the same direction i was going and you know i think what i learned a lot from that because that was how the did second, you get
0: to that mark how did you
1: get yeah. to that realization and not continue on autopilot well i couldn't not listen you know i okay. sat with my head in my hands and i was i just started to cry and okay. i i just realized i was at this moment where i was afraid of what would happen to my mind if i kept going and i'm grateful to have that level of awareness but really that level of awareness was more like the red flags not the orange flags not the subtle nudges and i realized that yeah. you can begin or continue to live a life that feels very normal and you don't realize how much you're carrying till so you can't carry anymore and then you realize how heavy a lot of it has been and so i realize i in that i remember that night googling psychotic break versus nervous breakdown. And (laughs) I was grateful that I had neither in the definition. Um, But I also realized that I couldn't keep doing things the way I was. And, and that was largely social media, that was largely self expression. And, you know, social media in the last couple years, especially has become just a very stressful place you know not Mm -hmm. not just news and misinformation on many directions not just one side and and cancel culture and you know all of it is psychologically it's actually um you know like all humans need and when you look at even the data on culture corporate culture the greatest determinant of a successful corporate culture is the psych, it is having psychological safety, safety to be yourself. And I would say that social media does not exemplify a place that has psychological safety. Um, yeah. it, of course, you can design your experience of it to create that. Um, and I realized, you know, when you're a public figure and you're, it, it's just, I started to think like, what level of anonymity do I want? What level of uh, self-expression do I want? What level of transparency do I want? you know, a lot of my work has been built upon me just telling the truth of my own experience. And I realized that that was really part of what I had to start talking more about is, um, being able to manage your relationship with things like devices and how easy it is to, uh, fall prey to whatever reward systems can come. Also, you know, from a business strategic perspective if i was to do it all over again i would <laughs> uh, the one thing i would do differently is i would diversify more readily where my customers were coming from because you know one of the jokes although it's not really a joke about <laughs> social media is that uh you're building a mansion in someone else's backyard like you're building a business yeah. and you I You know, the warning signs of that came when people had Facebook pages that they invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in. And then all of a sudden, Facebook just changed the algorithm and people's businesses were gone overnight. And that is a dangerous game. That's, you know, when you look at building your business, use Instagram as a vehicle for your business, but do not build your business on Instagram. Do not build it on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Funnel people to a place where you own the customers you have their data uh, their sorry not their data that sounds just
0: like them uh <laughs> their email address yeah you know because right well, now I I have, email lists are still that's you know, the way it's, it's the way and it's so funny because it's i mean it's like the original form of i guess digital communication that how many how many different companies and different people have tried to you know just completely do away with email but at the same time i i saw it with with my book i mean it's still that was the highest conversion in, in across all channels including podcasts was was email lists so it's it's still there and it's i think and you can still have like as long as you don't abuse it i mean it all comes back to like let's not abuse these these privileges somebody gives you your email and you're spamming them every week then that's a different story but if you can, if you're really showing up with true value and respecting the the other human on the other side, I mean, there's just a beautiful opportunity to to dialogue, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, like, being able to, because right now, you know, I have what over a million people on Instagram that. If Instagram deleted my profile, I would not have. Like it would just be gone. (laughs) So that shows you, like, what a horrible business strategy. You know, like when you look at it in hindsight. So (laughs) come on, Mark, pull it together. Right, Right. but that's the thing: is you start to realize you don't recognize generally how much that weighs. You know, in in relationship, Harriet Lerner, who's a psychologist, has this line where she says that. If you don't feel free to leave a relationship, you won't feel free to be yourself in it. And what she means by that is if 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 your partner pays for everything and supports everyone, if you can't survive without your partner paying for everything, then you won't feel free to be yourself in the relationship. Because if you being yourself in the relationship costs you the relationship, you don't have survival outside the relationship. And the same thing is true within business relationships, if it in itself is not a liberating experience, then you're operating in a dependency and then yeah. you won't feel free to self express. Gabor Monte talks about how every human has two needs. We have the need for self-expression and authenticity, and we have the need for belonging. But when self-expression threatens belonging, belonging wins. And that is, is very much what I've felt on social media is that it is not a place that's free to self-express. I'm Canadian. It's not even free to fully self-express in Canada anymore on a very deep subconscious level, no matter your perspective, just the way that the government has oriented has proven this to be true. And so we think often our belief makes us safe, but one day they might not agree with the belief you have and that changes everything. And I, I
0: think all of that takes a large psychological toll that we don't really recognize is there. Yeah, I think it just, I mean, you and I talked about it yesterday. It comes back to that, that language of psychic toll, right? Like it just keeps mm-hmm. stacking, stacking in your mind. But I feel like the through line of the conversation so far and, and even coming back to what you shared around Instagram and whatnot, because I know you're, you're thinking about this from a business perspective, comes back to, again, like having those conversations you don't want to have. Like that's, yeah. that's been there in the back of your mind and, and you're having those conversations now, right? So for, for everyone listening, cause we're, you know, we all have different things going in our, in our lives. Like what, I guess what has helped you Mark to have those difficult conversations, whether that's with other people or yourself, like what, what, what really helps you to, I guess, be vulnerable enough, pause long enough to, unpack these things so that they, they don't turn into these situations where you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> I missed all the warning, <laughs> fight, warning signs. Right.
1: Well, the first thing I asked myself after this previous experience was, again, how did I get here? Like, when did I when did I forget about the brilliance of my own intuition? When did I forget Ooh. to trust myself? When did I forget to listen? Why did I forget? What was the benefit of forgetting? What was the, what was the reward I was getting? And the reward was that I was having a successful business. So why shift that, which goes against my whole ethos, because that right away called me into my integrity, which was truth over everything. Like if truth burns anything down, it's being held up by something else, by dishonesty, by avoidance. And, you know, when my partner and I, our previous iteration of our relationship ended, and then when we got back together, one of the core tenets of our new relationship, we call relationship 2.0, mm-hmm. uh, is is that we said truth over everything, always. Like our relationship to one another is to honor the truth that exists for each of us individually, and then the collective truth that the relationship shares. And so that, I mean, that's really the through line of my whole experience is Am I willing to turn towards the things that are real in my life and my feelings? Because, you know, we deny it often. We deny the truth. We deny reality because maybe it's psychologically scary, right? And that's true all the time. You know, we don't want to accept truths that destabilize our identities, our beliefs. And when we do that, what we begin to do is numb ourselves. We begin to make it so we actually have to turn down our awareness because we have to accommodate that we're accommodating this sense of, in some way, dishonesty mm-hmm. because we don't like an uncomfortable truth. But that's always where the the path is. Truths don't go anywhere when you deny them. You know, in, in work on on human systems and family systems and inherited trauma, anything that gets denied just gets buried and reroutes and becomes stronger yeah. and that's true of human systems so that i mean for for anyone listening my invitation is always what truths are you not listening to what truths are you denying and what would happen if you accepted it you know you had that great um point of inquiry of like imagine if it all worked out you know like yeah. leaving pharma i never thought it would come here, I I did hope that it would just lead to not having to go back to pharma, you know, and being <laughs> yeah. able to monetize living in a passion, which I, I recognize not everyone gets to do, which is a real honor. And uh, the other question of like, imagine if, you know, just that point of inquiry. And, and I wasn't living when I get to those places, I'm not living in imagine if I'm living in hopefully not. I'm living in scarcity. I'm living in not trusting. I'm, I'm, I'm really diving back into joining the main narrative of how people are supposed to live. And I've realized that although there is some joy found in normality, sure. It's not the life I want. I don't want a normal relationship. I don't want a normal life. I don't want normal self-expression. I don't want a normal business. You know, a friend of mine said to me the other day, she was just inquiring, inquiring And she said, like, who came up with nine to five? Like why nine to five? Why not like 10 yeah. to two or, you know, and like, who said five days a week? Why not three? You know, like yeah. why do we not ask these questions now? And yeah. I live in a world where I have to be reminded to get back to the place. And that's what the practices of mental fitness do is remind you to get back to the place but you know i think it shows you like i have practices of meditation breath work um, now journaling thanks to you i awesome yeah and even with that i sort of lost myself or forgot about myself And there's such service in that because then I get to remember myself again. Exactly. You know, I, I get, and then I get to see my blind spots and I get to see where I still am not aware of my fears and how I let scarcity drive the car. And, and then you end up in a different life. And thankfully I listened to the very alarming mental warning that was like on the other side of this is not good. And it just reminds me so much of, when we get to states of illness or unwellness in general, it's because we're not listening, Mm -hmm. you know? And if that's the thing that reminds us to go still, to reclaim ourselves, to heal ourselves, to stop doing things that are taking this giant psychic toll, because no choice that's out of integrity is free ever. But choices that are in integrity are liberating. I mean, the feeling of being in alignment with what is true for you is so freeing. I mean, I don't think there's a better feeling in the world than knowing you can sleep at night loving who you are.
0: Yeah. But the thing like, you know, I just listened to you respond to that one. There's so many things that were, were popping that like one of them being, I feel like there's this illusion that, you know, you're... You're the connection specialist, the expert in the space. You spend a lot of time obviously uh, doing everything possible to educate yourself in this field. And I do the same thing with questions and mental fitness. But I left you that question yesterday on your show. I journaled on that last night. Like <laughs> I was going into a, a mentality before going to bed of, of, of scarcity and financials. And I'm like, whoa, there it is. Like, wait a second, use the prompt, go into what if everything went right. And just knowing that that'll that shift the mind. Like, but there's this illusion, mm. I think, that if we're in it like this, it's like we've got to dial, like all figured out. They're practices <laughs> yeah, for right. called practices for a reason. You're they're you're practicing, you're we're all a human, we're evolving. But I think where where the big unlock is, and it's a good example you brought up with the nine to five, is like we've got to stay curious. I mean, at one point, mm-hmm. the nine to five thing probably made a lot of sense and it was probably something related to the Industrial Revolution. But fuck, man, like shit changes. Like ask some questions. <laughs> yeah, like right. let's just come like off Like daylight autopilot. savings <laughs> time. Like get rid of that shit. Every year we talk Goodbye. about this. Oh, more people are dying, heart attacks, but yet here we're going to just pop the clocks back an hour. Like I don't get, you know, just...
1: That stuff is, but that shows you how systems support things that like no one wants daylight savings times and yet we still have it. What the F, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, isn't, I've always thought like the person who tells you they have it figured out, run, run from them because, you know, the thing that I've, I think has been part of the reason I've found Some level of success, or or people being wanting or desiring to listen to me, and some level which my teachers in junior high and elementary would be appalled by because I used to talk so much in class. So to get paid to talk now is a totally different. (laughs) They're like, "Fuck (laughs) that, man!" He wouldn't (laughs) shut up, you know. But that's the thing: is the thing that might be what exiled you or got you in trouble might actually be your superpower. And you don't realize that because society said you don't fit in or you're not sitting in your desk from fucking ten, eight to three. What kid wants to sit in a desk? Like, anyways, that's a whole other conversation. But that that what you mentioned, what you invited to stay in curiosity, to be willing to be wrong, because. If you've lived the life you were taught to live, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you Mm -hmm. wake up to the awareness that you're choosing something that maybe is not in alignment, you have to sit with the reality of feeling the pain of the responsibility of choice. Because if you wake up and realize that you choose everything, then you look back upon your life and you go, well, why did I choose that? And so you have to increase your capacity for the shame that's going to come with that. But normally what we do is go back to the old thing or pick up addictions. We don't Mm -hmm. sit with that. And, you know, in the words of Francis Weller, he would say, let it cook you. Like, let it Mm. cook you. That is when you enter the negredo, enter the space of transformation. It's the, it's the, it's the cocoon. It's the space that allows you to change. And, um, I didn't finish my last thought, which was, I think what has allowed me that success in some way is because I just keep sharing what I don't really understand yet or what I've just learned. And I share it through my own experience. And that's because I'm in the trenches with everybody. I'm not any different. I'm, I mean, when my relationship ended, I have a platform built on speaking about relationships. I just lived that breakup pretty out loud. You know, yeah. I shared my process with the permission of my partner and, it was some of the hardest shit I've ever had to share and some of the most vulnerable, most painful things. But I just thought if someone else can be witnessed in this, I like can feel uh, validated for their suffering as I share my own, that made it worth it. And, you know, I remember Lisa Nichols said uh, at that workshop, I had quite a few little gems that hit me right in the uh, the soul. It was no one gives a shit about perfection. Like no one identifies with perfection, everybody identifies with imperfection, and mm-hmm. and so when we share that part of ourselves and it's not contrived, it's that's what people actually connect over. That's what people are inspired by, and and so like as so many of us try to chase ultimate achievement or the perfect abs or whatever it is, um, realizing that that's really not the substance that. Humans really crave, which is connection and being seen and being humanized.
0: You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lisa Nichols, she, uh, she shout out me, if you're yeah. listening. She uh, even for me, this would have been back when when I was hired in the farmer world. It was around the same time the Secret came out, and that yeah, was, that's right, because she was in there. Yeah, she was in there, and I remember there were so many things in that in that movie that it's so funny now. Like you look at people like Joe Dispenza and so forth. Like the Bruce science Smithson, is yeah. right. That the science is actually catching up to what at that time was just seen like such out there kind of you know uh philosophy and all this stuff. But like if if you were just open to again being like learning and being curious to oh, wait a second, like what's being said here then you can, you know, at least you have the opportunity to try some stuff out.
1: (laughs) So true. I remember my brother when The Secret came out. He's not into that kind of stuff. But I remember, uh, I think I watched it with him. I just remember him watching it and him saying to me, that's so dumb. Like, you don't think of a red bike and get a red bike. Would you steal the bike? (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) I remember he's always like my cynical tests group. Uh, Yeah. But I remember when I studied positive psychology, one of the sections was on the science of optimism and yeah. the science of optimism is basically the secret, you know, they took, uh, there's a great book. There's also an article based on the book called the luck factor and okay. the guy studied all unlucky people love to be studied of course right to prove how unlucky they are so they volunteered yep. right away and then they studied <laughs> what lucky people did and then they taught unlucky people what lucky people did and it changed their lives and so it shows you like the science of optimism is essentially same with uh, barbara frederickson work on positive emotion broaden and build theory which is that when you're in positive emotion you are looking for social connections. You're looking for opportunities mm-hmm. and the science of optimism. The people who were lucky, I mean, these people took different places to work. Uh, one guy where he found most of the time at a party, he'd, I believe it was that he said he'd end up finding himself drawn to wanting to talk to the most attractive woman in the room. He started to actually make a rule that he would talk to people in a certain colored shirt. And yeah. so that completely changed his life. And so I think when we start to take responsibility again, where our attention goes, you know, you start to see that the science that has caught up, uh, and again, it's so funny how humans, we just need it to be validated by this measurement, you know, as where really the mystical has always lived in the human experience. Ram Dass has a quote where he says that miracles remind us that we don't know how it works. And I think that's so true.
0: Yeah, well, I think you just have to avoid, like, if if you can avoid the extremes in in situations and not get too, you know, too attached to the entertainment, like if I, I see, like, you know, manifest the red bike or the parking spot and stuff like that. And there's whatever, there's some truth to certain aspects of that. But people, you know, you get caught up on, oh, well, I want a million dollars. Like, I just need to do this. Well, it's not really that simple i mean it, it it like if you really then get into it because i've had i've had john azarath on the show twice and i mean he literally reversed you know his his uh, colitis and crohn's not just wow. with thought i mean that was part of it but it was putting his mind into a state of i can heal and then i made the changes from a diet perspective started exercising but i believed that i can heal from the inside out And next thing you know, like he's gone from, he was about to have this crazy amount of surgery. I think he was on like 25 meds and he's off all of it. Wow. Off all of it. Right. That's incredible. Like, I mean, it's, it's not just one thing, but it does, it does start to your point with, with the mind. Like if you're, if you're going down a negative track, I mean, you, you can just, you can just anticipate or or expect to have more negativity flowing through your, through your life. So, you know, why not try mm-hmm. to do everything possible to flip into the positive state? And we've all experienced this. The next thing you feel like, ah, oh, I'm flowing. Someone just called like that felt right. All of a sudden you see these other opportunities. I mean, that's not luck, you no, know, that's it's like so you're, amazing. you're bringing that. So
1: to give yourself res- that credit is just, yeah. I think important. You know, that we yeah. create it, that we can do it, that we change it, that we're responsible for it. Oh man, it's the power of the mind. It is incredible the power of the mind. And then it really you get is. Yeah. Like you just think of if I, I was testing um I have a whoop and it tells you your mm. HRV, your heart rate variability, and the higher your heart rate variability, the better. And mine oscillates at like mediocre to better than mediocre. And I tested out, okay, well, what happens if I am not consuming any news at all and I don't go on social media for three days? And my HRV touched the sky, you know, so it was really interesting to see how these little subtle interactions that we don't think have a psychic tool, the keeping the toxic person in your life being toxic in the way that we operate in our behaviors and relationship, they all have a tool. And it's like, are yeah. we willing to take responsibility for the choices we're making that have a toll upon us? Because what can replace that choice is a liberating choice. You know, yeah. something that, that frees us, something that you used that term yesterday, are we climbing the wrong mountain? Something that mm-hmm. allows us to move to the right mountain. I think that's so important. Yeah
0: powerful stuff. I want to respect your time, sir. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to wrap up. I'll ask you one final question. And that's just around maybe two, if we can sneak it in one, just like, what are, what are some of your non-negotiables when it comes to the, the health of your mind? Like if you are traveling, the schedule's busy, what doesn't get dropped in the hotel or wherever you're at? Yeah. Workouts,
1: workouts have to be included. That's my number one go to, especially traveling. And I learned that pretty early on that with time changes and all that kind of stuff, I'll work out before I'd meditate any day. That's, uh, because you can move it into a moving meditation. Um, and I just feel so alive. It does so many things for my body. I'll do intervals on a treadmill. I'll do kettlebell workouts, um, dumbbell kettlebell styles. Um, so yeah, that's the thing that doesn't get dropped for me. And breath work actually is, I wanted to ask you if about that, actually. What, yeah, I was going to yeah, say, if there's, something, if there's something that I would, if I have more time, I would do breath work over meditation, too. Because in a way, it is integrating meditation. Um, so, I'd do three rounds of Wim Hof uh, with breath holds. And if I can, if I'm like in my normal routine, it would be meditation, breath work, cold plunge. Uh, that would be my standard yeah if i've got it and it's available but i will cold shower too uh pretty much especially if i'm traveling yeah that, that's a i mean there's whew, that revitalizes the body that and gets you going
0: yeah that's what i like about breath work as well And the same as you i mean uh i do meditate um and i and like i know the science behind it i know the the, the benefits they're there but i what i like about breath work is that there is really good science there as well but you feel it immediately oh, right like it's so it's there. good We've got to get you hooked up with OtherShip. Uh, Robbie Bent from from OtherShip was uh, on the show, and they they also have some physical locations in Toronto oh, right now, and they're expanding. Cool. But hot cold therapy, breath work, and their app their their dailies are typically five six minute long, uh, either either uppers or, or or downers to just slow things down and calm things uh, down oh, with your breath. Cool. Yeah, I, so I feel like you like that. Yeah, yeah. All right, brother. Last question for you: What makes you smile these days?
1: Mm, um, mm, a couple of things: food. I love food. Uh, <laughs> I love <laughs> adventure. It. Adventure for me is, I'm. I really prioritize getting out for hikes and mountain biking and and an adventure. Like I love going on trips with my partner and my, our dog and just like seeing the world, seeing the road, trying new things. Um, yeah. yeah, I'd say that's it. That's that's for sure the thing that lights me up the most. I think the when, I, when I'm doing that, I'm reminding myself that life is always most delicious in the spaces that are unknown. And So adventure is a good way to... It's subtle, but it reminds you that the business things you're doing are the relational things you're doing. We need to always go to that edge, to that space of conversations we've never had, lives we've never lived, things we've never yeah. done. Oh, it's so that's where to be.
0: Well said. Well said. Well, Mark, thank you from me to, for, for making some time to come jam on the show, but a higher thank you for you, know, you following your heart and g- grabbing onto some courage to leave, you know, a pretty stable and lucrative career to really jump in and, and do the work that matters most to you. And, and, you know, because of that, over all those years, you just continue to help so many people out there. And that's that's a really noble thing to be doing. And just showing up as the real you all the time. Uh, I know I appreciate that. I'm sure many do as well. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I love that our pharma
1: careers brought us <laughs> full circle to two leaps. And I, you know, I think people don't recognize what it can become in and it can become everything. And it will continue to evolve when you live from that space. So thanks for the reminder for me to live from that space too. And appreciate you and your work and trust me with your audience. Beautiful. Beautiful.